Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. I'm Andrew Musgrove today, joined by Chris Woff and Lee Ryder. Uh, Lee and Chris have just got back this very moment from the Nottingham Forest game which took place yesterday. Uh, that obviously was, was Wednesday and Castle United again Lee knocked out of a cup competition again to Nottingham Forest like they were last year in the second round. Um, fair to say that it was far from a, a good performance yesterday when Castle United. Yeah, it was really disappointing. I mean, I had a bit of a, um, a run after the game saying it was one of the worst performances in decades and you know, I stick by it. I think it was uh, it was particularly poor in terms of there didn't seem to be any urgency. Um, you know, when they were one 0 down, they were building a couple of attacks, but generally, you know, it just wasn't good enough. There wasn't any shots on target. There was a couple of half chances, but really, Rondon's shot was the first one on target the whole game. In ninety second minute, yeah, it's. Baffling, you know, start start on the front foot. We we watched a game against Chelsea where they were defending uh, from the beginning and for long periods, and I totally understand that because he's trying to eke out a point. But um, with the Nottingham Forest game, I just wanted to say a bit more to say. I'm not quite sure if I kind of point the finger at Rafa for that one because the, some of the players just didn't look up for it, did they? They didn't know. I mean, it's frustrating because. There's some play. You looked at the, the start eleven before the game, and yes, there were seven changes to it. But that is a team that should have won the game. There's more than enough Premier League and international experience for a team that should have won the game. I wouldn't necessarily point the finger at Rafa. I just think that that he himself must look at the fact that within 20 months, Newcastle will be knocked out of the cup three times yeah. by lower league opposition. It must. It's not a statistic any manager wants around him. And it's from long before Rafa. This is a, this is the whole Mike Ashley era at Newcastle United. But for Rafa himself to have, to have had that, I know that he has a lack of squad depth. I know he didn't get the players he wanted. But the team should have been good enough to beat Nottingham Forest last night. And for whatever reason, they didn't seem focused enough, or they didn't see there wasn't the attack and urgency there to really have a goal for us. Who themselves created must have created. Well, a ton of chances compared to Newcastle because there's been a lot of opportunities for them. Carl Dolph flapped at a few, Diaz missed a few opportunities as well, and it really could have been worse than three one. I mean, Forest made five changes to their lineup uh, from their, their league game, and you, you were sat there watching it and thinking, quite easily asking who was the Premier League side because the likes of Diaz, who you mentioned then, and Joe Lolly. I mean, Joe Lolly was there was twice he just walked through Newcastle United defence who looked. Terrified, they didn't know how to deal with them. I mean, how can Forest make five changes and dominate a game against a Premier League side like Newcastle United? It's a very good question, and it's one that Rafa Benitez needs to find answers to, and he needs to he needs to ask his squad to come up with some of those answers because even the changes Newcastle made, I mean, one of them was bringing Kennedy back into the side, so in theory that should strengthen them in that regard. But Kennedy just looked lost for you, a large degree. You mentioned, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, that. While Kennedy's looked good at home, away from home, he's he's never really shown 
but for what five six minutes against Leicester last season. Yeah, he just doesn't seem to to have yet grasped it away from home. It's frustrating because that's why he shouldn't theory have more space to be able to counter attack. But last night, to me, he just looked like a player who wasn't focused and didn't understand that this was actually an important game. This was for Newcastle. This is an opportunity to, to hopefully progress in the next round of the cup, and then who knows you you may get lower league opposition at home and that gives you an opportunity and suddenly you can find yourself in the quarter-final quite easily. Instead, I mean, he was him and Atsu first off that were completely anonymous and Newcastle struggled to create opportunities and they're the players you should be looking at. And Rafa hinted it when he re-signed Kennedy that, that he wants to see more from him, he thinks there's room for improvement and away from home is the very first part he can look at because I don't think he influences games as much as he should. I mean, Jacob Murphy Lee was very unfortunate. Many would argue to not start yesterday. Mm. Played all right against Chelsea. He came on, had a hand in the goal. I mean, would you foresee Kennedy dropping back to the bench and, and Murphy starting against City? Yeah, well, he, that was the sort of game plan last time at Man City, wasn't it? Murphy was the outlet, scored his goal. He's one of the few players that Rafa's got who, who are blessed with a lot of pace. So I, I think he's got a hell of a chance to play against Man City. I just think, in general, there was the, you know, Rafa gave the players an opportunity to go out and stake a claim for a place in the first team in the Premier League, and it just wasn't taken. And now Rafa can pick the team, he can mix things, but he can't go out on the pitch and do it for them. They've got to go out and do that that bit, you know. And like, I just think Muto massively disappointing for me. Uh, Key just seemed off the mark. Atsu, his deliveries were poor. Um, Kennedy, as you mentioned, very poor as well. Uh, it was it wasn't until Rondon really came on, and that was right at the end that they they looked like they had a bit of bite in the final third. So really disappointing. I suppose that's highlighted by the fact that Jamie Sterling and debut for Sean Longstaff, both of them players, didn't have the best of games, but they were arguably the two best players on the pitch like you say until Rondon came on yeah well for me I, I thought Sterry d- did well um, maybe the latter part of the game it, it, it was probably a bit too much for him in terms of the intensity he doesn't play 90 minutes often for the first team uh, but Longstaff I thought if you look at his statistics were very good uh, you know, for a young player I think he had 60 plus touches uh, in the mid- midfield always looking to get involved. Yeah, there was a couple of times where he got tackled and, you know, lost the ball. But it was the players around him, you know, there was, didn't seem to be, for me, didn't seem to be anybody kind of looking after him uh, for, for his first team debut. But he, to be fair, he looked after himself. So I, I, I think he'd done very well. I felt sorry for the two of them in that regard because I thought they were the two, arguably the two best players, or certainly two of Newcastle's best players. And they should it should have been the teammates guiding them through and it, it, at times they almost left themselves. It's, it's, I suppose, you could say it's a compliment to Longstaff that a lot of the play went through him, but you'd also have thought that Key should be taking a lot more responsibility in that centre of field. He's an experienced international, experienced Premier League player, and yet it was Longstaff who seemed to be the one to try driving Newcastle forward. Jamie Sterry was the one who actually tried to put the ball in the box. He put a ball in the box first half. Hosselu gets a header, and you're thinking, well, on the, you've got Kennedy and you've got Atsu. They should be the ones providing this. So I did feel for the two of them, but I thought they came out of it with some credit, whereas... The vast majority of the Newcastle players on show didn't. And it just looked like they lacked any ideas, any creativity. There was no kind of urgency. They just forest from the from the start. I mean, we were talking about it on the desk before that Newcastle had a warning before Murphy even 
down if he scored the opener and the opener was scored within two minutes so mm. that kind of says it all Forrest just on top from the word go yeah what concerned me was after what I thought was a good performance I have to be honest on Sunday from the defence that two debutants last night wasn't a good performance and like that I think Daryl Murphy showed them what it's like to play against an old fashioned centre forward because that's what he is and he, he bullied Cher for most of the game absolutely bullied him um, and he looked petrified at time Cher Fernandez didn't was nowhere near as composed as he was at the weekend Clark I felt a bit sorry for because he's not a left back he doesn't have the pace and Forrest clearly targeted that side the goal came from down that side the first chance had come from down that side and a lot more opportunities came from, from that side as well And it, it's worrying because some of those players are experienced players they're international players and you, it just says to me that mentally they weren't quite right last night the focus is, is on Man City as you can understand to a certain degree but last night was an important game it was the chance to get a win before the international break and they didn't take it Likely it is with either Fernandez or Shaw will start against C, so if you can't handle... <laughs> Scary to think Shaw will start because I think he was just... You know, he's, he is getting used to this, to the Premier League, he's getting used to the English lifestyle, there's a lot of things he, he's getting to grips with at the minute. I just thought he was really... I agree with what you were saying, you know, he got... You know, Murphy was all over him from the start, he almost targeted him, so... That worries me. That was the point of you can't handle Daryl Murphy, no disrespect to him, 35. He will be, he will be able to eventually, he'll, he'll, get, he'll settle down, but it's just at the minute, it's like... You, you know, don't want to be facing Aguero. Certainly not. I mean, God knows how many goals We're talking about this on the way back, yeah. Is it about 30 goals he's got against Newcastle <laughs> or something? But, look, he's, 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 he's not that young really, is he? He's, he's in his, he hasn't reached his peak years. Share twenty six, I think. So he, you know, he's, his best chairs are supposed to be ahead of him, but sometimes it just takes that little bit of time. I mean, Colacini, uh, another player who came from Deportivo, uh, it took him some time to to settle into you know everything really. And the second season, he was fantastic. So, so some players it takes a. Right, so we, we we saw instances on Sunday against Chelsea where you know things were very positive. This could be just one bad game and like you say it takes time for him to, to progress and get used to it but defensively I mean at one point I think there was nine players behind the ball very early on against Forest, and it just when the, when the camera panned out it just looked unbelievable to see nine cast night players basically between their own box and what 10-15 yards ahead of that that's embarrassing isn't it? Yeah well I don't I don't think that the tactics were overly, overly negative I, it just struck me as a team who played five at the back at the weekend and their approach had been not to attack and unless the opportunity really presented itself and then it almost switched and the onus was going to be on Newcastle to have a go and it was almost if the players didn't know how to shift that. I know that there were seven changes but it just seemed like mindset hadn't sunk in. For me what was more concerning than the defeat and I said this when I was chatting to Lee after the game yesterday was if they'd, if they'd lost by the odd goal and they'd played quite well, then you'd say, fine, look, they're out of the, they're out of the cup, but they've had a decent performance. But the performance was alarming. and they, need, they needed to go there. They needed to put in display to lift morale, preferably win, but at least if you have a decent goal and you, you get knocked out in a lucky fashion. It actually would have been, and I know we probably got the penalty, it actually, for, to a certain extent, would have been a travesty if Newcastle had been awarded that penalty because they didn't deserve anything from the game. Nottingham Forest were by far the better team, and 3-1 didn't flatter them. Get onto the penalty in a moment... Benitez said at post-game he didn't believe Forrest were the better side 
he's not concerned with the way Newcastle United play now. It, we we all watch the game. Is he protect? Is he doing the job where he's just trying to protect his players? Yeah. Does he believe that? I mean, w- what's going on there? No, what he's doing for for me is he's not going to get. He's not going to exaggerate the, what the situation is at the minute. They've had a tough start. They had a hard game on Sunday. They've got an even harder one on Saturday. He's not going to throw the book at them over this because he knew that this wasn't going to be the priority. Um, there'll be a game where they should win in the Premier League and they won't. And he and he'll be when he wants to slaughter the team, he does, doesn't he? He's done it before. Um, I think he just protects the team a little bit more with, with his comments. It's probably wise because you you know we need every shred of luck whatever you can throw in for, for the game on Saturday night against Man City you're going to need it all because um, they're a world class outfit Newcastle 20 to 1 with William Hill to get a win so that, that says it all what what concerned me in the last couple of weeks some of the comments Benitez has made in pre-match press conferences where he's been keen to stress that everyone at Newcastle and he's included the players in this need to realise they're not as good as 10th from last year that does concern me slightly because that suggests to me particularly because in the press conference on Tuesday he then hinted that some players who'd received offers in the summer they need to they need to also regain their focus that says to me that there's a concern from Benitez that he's starting to think that there's a there's an air of not complacency but these players are starting to believe some of the hype in around them and that if they are going to have a successful season, they need to get back to the fundamentals. They got them there last season. They haven't added too much quality, so they've got to. It's got to be hard work. It's got to be defensive discipline, and they've all got to be together. And that's what they need going forward. And I think that, that was just that is just a concern for me that you had mentioned that. Okay, we'll go on that because there's a lot of people kind of saying, well, what got them to tenth last season was a team spirit, that United feeling. That looks so that it's it's seeping away, um, in the early parts of this campaign, but. One question I want to ask you both is criticism for Benitez. We all know, you know, we all think he, you know, he's brilliant. He deserves all the credit he gets. The fans love him. Um, but at what point does he deserve criticism? Does he deserve criticism for his lineup last night? For some of the substitutions he did or didn't make? I mean, do Julia any sort of criticism of Benitez for for last night's results? I do to a certain degree. I wouldn't say it was wholly his fault, but he's he's in charge of a Premier League team albeit one he, he would like strengthen more and they've got a Nottingham Forest and been completely outplayed and lost they've as I said before been knocked out of three cup competitions by lower league opposition in the last 20 months he didn't he didn't change it quick enough for me last night I thought that he could see quite early on that it wasn't working I felt he, he left it too long with the substitutions so for me I, I think he was partly culpable for last night but that was one of, of, of many factors and the players also have to take responsibility uh, the football club has to take responsibility for, for the, the squad that they've, they've given the manager as well and Lee we'll go on to the penalty obviously Stonewall penalty I mean he took more of Iowa's press's head than he did of the ball uh, the, the reaction after by Prez was, was quite something it was unbelievable I don't think I've ever seen someone that angry on a football pitch really Um do you think that was just to deal with the penalty or is there that frustration there creeping in? I think, yeah, it was definitely a penalty. I think the whole world could could see it was. Um, hard one, really, whether there was another comment said by one of the Forest players. A um, bit of sledging going on, possibly, as well. Um, it didn't look happy at all. I mean... 
you know, Rafa did a brilliant job at the end of the game to calm him down. Uh, he had some of his teammates around him as well trying to calm down. He wasn't trying to get at his teammate. I think some people uh, misread the situation. I've had a couple of tweets saying, oh, is this another day-to-day occurrence? It's like, well, hold on a minute. He's not angry with his teammates. He's angry with the referee. They're doing their job. That's short, for me, that's short togetherness to get him out of that situation. Bail your mate out, get him out off the pitch, get him away from the ref. That's what they did. Um, every player gets frustrated when you they don't win. I mean, going back to what you were saying about last season, finishing 10th, got to remember, they, they limped to 10th place, really, didn't they? They lost uh, there was three games in a row before the, the Chelsea game. So they only just got... I think Rafa's made that point as well in one of his press conferences. He said, it's all right, saying we finished 10th and we did a great job. He said, we could have easily finished 15th, could have easily been 17th. So, and that's what I think... The, Basically, the way the board have read the message from last season is like, oh, we'll finish 10th, we've got a good squad. Maybe they're not capable of doing that again. Um, and that's what the board don't seem to be able to take on board. So, Chris, for you, I mean, obviously, first frustrated decision would have gotten Castle at 2-2. I think we can all agree it probably would have been unfair when Forrest had that, that happened. Um, and who would have taken the penalty for a start? I mean, would <laughs> shoot and, the, and would they have scored? Yeah, exactly. And then if they had scored, who's going to take the five in the shootout? But that, different. Anyway, sorry, continue. Please. But the same question. I mean, do you feel like there was more than just the penalty creeping into Perez's frustration there? Possibly. In some ways, I thought it was a good thing to see from Perez because I hadn't seen enough. I didn't want senior castle players kick off like that, but I hadn't seen enough desire throughout the game and I thought that that showed that, that for Perez he cared and he wanted it and maybe you could argue too much in some regards and yeah he did lose his head and he needed Benitez to calm him down he needed the coaching staff he need, then needed more Diarmi to essentially restrain him um, possibly there was a little bit of nigger on the pitch I don't know but Newcastle and maybe there's, there's been I don't know just frustration with the way the results are going but Newcastle need to regain their focus they can't be losing their head certainly not four games into the season they need points they need them quickly they're probably not going to get them this weekend but the next fortnight is going to be crucial for those players who aren't going away on international duties to really refocus and rediscover what led to them being successful last season and I always say Perez his form in the second half of the season was one of those things I guess that's the main point isn't it because I mean four games in three Premier League games in one cup game in the season there's no need to hit the panic stations just yet some on social media are saying, well, it doesn't look like the same togetherness, doesn't look like the same unity. Do you, do you, do you see that, Lee? No, I, I don't. I think what they've got is they've got a, a steady and capable squad and they've, they've added to it. I think Key will get better uh, as, as his fitness kicks in. Kennedy will have better games. Hopefully there's more to come from Muto. Um, and really, you know, they'll have a good run of games where... They play the teams that are in their league. If you like, they're they're playing teams from the top six at the minute. They're they're never going to be able to compete with them with the money they're spending. So I think it will settle down. I don't think they'll get relegated. Um, I think Rafa's still very much the man for the job in my eyes. Uh, I think he he'll be keep everything positive at the press conference this week. They'll do with the, they'll give it the best shot at Man City. That it's very doubtful to win. Hopefully, they all prove we're wrong and get a positive result. But even if they go there and they put put a performance on a little bit like last season when it was three one, um, I think it'll be fine. And to be honest, I think if Man City get in a comfortable position, 
Uh, hopefully it'll go easy on <laughs> on Newcastle. Um, but I mean, a win would have been really good, let's say, just to get them up and running. Um, and obviously, it's not been the best of weeks. Uh, you know, stories claims that busts up on the training ground. Obviously, um, it's a sort of just kind of a day-to-day occurrence. Of, you know, Lascelles has said prior that mm-hmm. people do get a bit passionate. Matt Ritchie also, I think, said it that um, you know because he wants to win mm-hmm. every game, he wants to win in training, he wants to win on the pitch. I mean. A good thing that you know that the players are showing their passion on the training ground. Well, yeah, I think they've, they've done it last season and the season before. Where if there is something that happens on the training pitch, then you know they'll point out mistakes and they'll, they'll encourage each other. You know, Chris seen them in Ireland. It was a similar situation there. I, I seen them in Portugal. Matt Ritchie doesn't stop running his mouth. He's doing it in a, in a captain's way, if you like, um, encouraging people. Uh, demanding more from people, a little bit of Mickey taking whatever it is to get the best out of players, he will try it. And you know, Lascelles is, is similar. So from our point of view, what we report, um, you know, we—I'll be totally honest with you—I'd heard before the game that, that something had happened at the training ground. Uh, I knew that certain players weren't in the team, but you know, one thing I know, Mark Douglas. Uh, as Newcastle United editor, football editor, he you know always says with team news we don't give the team away because you know we all want Newcastle to win. Uh, as soon as the teams were known, we've done the story what we knew. We checked out um, some of the claims that have been made. We get an opinion from every side. We give every chance of the right to reply. That's what we've done. So you know that's what our job is. So at the end of the day, what it seems to me has happened is. There's been a few crosswords exchanged, but nothing that nothing that doesn't happen every day in the training ground. Why do we not report that every day? Well, then the day would start getting boring if we said, "Oh, Matt Ritchie's had an argument with more the army or whoever." Anyone who's even plays five a side knows the passion that runs when you play football. So for me, I don't think it was a big story. Hey, I've covered punch-up stories at Newcastle, proper punch-up mm-hmm. stories, and Zogbia and Carroll had a big fight on three different pitches around Newcastle's training ground a few years ago. That's an out-of-the-ordinary sort of fight um, where both players you know, did need to be separated, they did need to be pulled away. There was club discipline. There's no discipline being issued on this one because you know there's a picture of Rafa Benitez laughing and joking with Lascelles and Richie at the training ground today, so storming a take-up. Chris, you agree with that? I mean, some people suggesting that you know Lascelles' head might have been turned in the summer, maybe his agent you know, uh, whispering in his ear. Um, is it a case that Lascelles is possibly getting too big for his boots, or is it, like they say, storming to take up Lascelles as a very vocal player? That's just the kind of. I mean, that's how he made his name in the first place, wasn't it, in Newcastle? He came out after that defeat back when, uh, back in the. Uh, was it the end of the season before Newcastle got relegated and said, no one, no one cares? And then he got, he got sent off against Everton, wasn't it? Came out and said, well, no one. Got, got caught in no one cares it's just the kind of player he is he's a very vocal player he is a very vocal player and he doesn't want to lose that and that is one of the reasons why Rafa Benitez made him captain why he even brought him into the team in the first place I think that the message that went out from Benitez as I've said though about players need to refocus I think that applies to everyone and I include Jamal Lascelles in that I think Lascelles' situation is slightly different than everyone else's his partner's expecting a baby so that's obviously going to be playing on his mind that is something whereby 
it's going to be his focus at the moment as well. He's got a, he's got a, an ankle injury as well. There's been various factors over the last week, so I think that he he does need to refocus. He needs to, but he also has, as, as I said, the partner, the baby coming along, so he has other priorities as as well as football right now. So I think that the two week break comes at a good time for him. It comes at a good time for Newcastle, for everyone, just to to sit back, think right. These are the these are the principles that served us so well last season. These are these. This is what we need to rediscover if we're going to be successful, and I include Jamal Lascelles in that, and every single other member of the squad. Do you think against Chelsea, Newcastle probably missed Shelby more than they missed Lascelles? Um, I mean, what's the latest on Lascelles? Do we think he's going to be back this this Saturday against City? Well, after the game last night, Benitez said Shelby won't be, which I think is a big miss. I don't think Newcastle would win even with him in the team, but I think he gives you. An outlet, someone who can actually play the ball forward. Um, then, in terms of Lascelles, Benitez said he is still doubtful. So, will he risk him with a two-week break coming up? I think that that that's a call Benitez will make himself. But I wouldn't be surprised to see Lascelles if he is involved more on the bench, just because you've got that two-week break coming up. They already played a five-man defence last weekend. You've got players who've played a lot more football recently, going to Man, so going to Man City. And not bring him back into the team, but if he if he's declared one hundred percent fit, he is the captain. So I think he will be in line to potentially return in that regard. But it's sounding from Benitez was that it was doubtful he would start. So. I don't. I've got a feeling he won't. I just think that he's had the injury. Um, he's got the family thing going on. Fernandez seems to have been sort of eased in in the last couple of games. Uh, Clark did a steady job. Um, last night as well for me so yeah I think um, I think the Arsenal game could be a more, more realistic return date for ourselves Shelby wise I mean if Shelby's out for a long period fingers crossed he won't be Newcastle have a really tough job of placing that creativity in the midfield because no disrespect to Keane he's not John Joe Shelby I mean them two play together at Swansea so that probably suggests all you need to know about the creativity there you know the army you know, doesn't set the ball like Shelby does. You can't really rely on long staff at, at this young age. I mean, Benitez kind of wanted a centre midfielder. It wasn't the top of his priority, but he wanted someone who could offer uh, like a substitute for, for Shelby. Didn't get it. I mean, is it a case again like it was last season before Dubravka came in that Benitez is what well, Benitez didn't get the transfer window starting to ring true already, and we're only what four games into the season. Yeah, well, it's unravelled, hasn't it? And you know the board would have been sitting there saying, you know, the squad's fine, finished 10th last season, yeah, but there's no depth. And now injuries have cut in, suspensions have cut in, and suddenly, you know, people like Sean Longstaff, who's done very well to get there, now find themselves right in the thick of it, and just an injury away from, you know, being playing regularly in the Premier League, you know. The kid was at Blackpool uh, last year. It's great that he's getting his chance, and I think he's more than capable but it shows you the lack of options that Rafa Benitez has had. Chris, you know, Mikel Marino went, you know, okay, he didn't set the world alight, but he would have been the, the person who comes in for Shelby had he still been here. Newcastle arguably replaced him with, with Key. I mean, it just hasn't worked, has it? I don't know. I mean, yes. four, four games in the season, I don't think you can say it, it hasn't worked. The thing with Marino was, and I was really impressed when he first came in, but really, from October onwards last season, Newcastle didn't have an alternative to John Joe Shelby. It was just fortunate that Shelby didn't get injured much because 
Marino sort of lot. He got his injury and then his head seemed to go a little bit. He didn't rediscover his level. And so Newcastle have been lacking a creative alternative in midfield for a long period. Key's a different sort of player. He's got more experience than Marino. I think once he gets fully match fit, I think he will offer something to Newcastle, but not as that creative force. He's more he's a more tidy player. He recycles possession very well, but he doesn't necessarily provide that killer pass. If Shelby is absent for a long period, which hopefully he isn't, and we haven't had an indication yet that he will be, so he'll hopefully be back for the Arsenal game. But if he was to be out, I think that the Benitez will have to think about changing the team around. He certainly can't have regularly against other teams who aren't in the top six what he had last weekend where he doesn't have a number 10, the Iose Perez type, in the side. Obviously, they were lacking Kennedy then as well. You need someone who's going to bring a creative spark, whoever that may be. Um, because without Shelby, Newcastle do seem a bit devoid of ideas um, and they do lack that killer final pass. Sorry, before it sounds like I was already writing key off the question I should have asked was he's not what I meant to say he's not the alternative to Shelby. Yeah. That's right one gets us on Twitter for saying I'm writing his career off the four games. I'm not a big fan. Um City wise, do we foresee him just parting the bus like they did against Chelsea? Obviously on the debate last night, Craig Bellamy kind of had a go at the suggestion that they would do that again, you know, suggest that they should maybe go for it. But I mean City thumped Huddersfield six one. Huddersfield already have a, I think a goal difference of minus seven, minus eight or whatever that is, you know, Newcastle have minus two. It, you know, you'd much rather lose one nil than get them six one, right? I I would just like them to keep the score down basically in this one because, you know, last year goal difference could have been a big thing. It can be worth an extra point in some circumstances. Um getting thumped isn't good for morale as well. This could be a long couple of weeks to stew over that really um, if they do get thumped but as I say Guardiola in certain games just seems to uh, once they, they get into a good position where they establish themselves in the game and they do kind of like just hold things back a little bit that's what happened last year um, hopefully something similar will happen this year if, if a couple of early goals go in but you do not want to be getting humiliated in any Premier League game it's like Carragher said it on Monday night, and I thought it was a good point. He said, well, what does it mean to have a go? In terms of you go to Man City, what, are you going to go gung-ho? No team does that. I'm sorry, even Huddersfield didn't do that. Huddersfield had a bizarre tactic of, Wagner said before the game, we'll see how Man City are going to play, then we'll adapt. They were 3-0 down by the time they could adapt, and then they got hammered 6-1. There's these comparisons with the way Brighton played against Man United. For a start, Brighton were at home. Right, so you can compare to Newcastle playing to Chelsea. But Man United are nothing like Chelsea at the moment. Chelsea want to dominate the ball. Chelsea press high. Man United are slow, lethargic. They're a team who can be got at at the moment. And I'm confident that if Man United had been the opposition at St James's Park last Sunday, Benitez wouldn't have played in the way that he did. You go to Man City, realistically only Newcastle going to win against a team who I think they've lost one of the last 20-something games at home. They've scored X number of goals. Newcastle got a shocking record there as it is. Sergio Aguero always scores against them. They haven't won yet this season. I just think you, you've got to go there, and it, it, it is damage limitation. It sounds negative, but if you go into that international break on the back of a hammering, it's bad for morale. But also, not getting hammered could be the difference between not being in the bottom three for the next two weeks. Psychologically, regardless of the fact that you're in the relegation zone because of goal difference, everything gets magnified when you're in that bottom three, even at this early point of the season. So I just think that it's negative and but 99 times out of 100 Newcastle aren't going to win when they go to 
Apologies there, uh, Lee just had to go out there on some, some business, maybe Yaya too is signing. Well, no, that was a joke, by the way. things that happened, but I'm, I'm going to doubt that highly. Yes, don't come back on Twitter because that was a joke. Um, where were we? City, ironically enough. Um, I mean, Aguero is just a... I, I think, personally, Aguero is the best striker in the Premier League still. Um, he's going to have a field, isn't he? Well, I'd like to think not. I'd like to think Newcastle could restrict him, but if they can restrict him even one, I think they'll be doing quite well, given his record against them. The... The defence were very poor last night, but on Sunday, in that five-man defence, I thought they did very well. I thought the whole team defended very well. They kept their shape. It's going to be different, though. I think Man City have a bit more variety than Chelsea. They're further down the line in the way they play than Chelsea, who are implementing a new system. Man City have variety in the players they can bring in. They have more creative players. They have a, a better striker in Aguero, a more deadly finisher. So Newcastle are going to have to play just as well as they're doing against Chelsea and then up at another level just to keep the score down, in my opinion. That is the gulf in class between these two teams. One of them's worth know, the best part of £700 million. The other one, I wouldn't say, if you added it together, would be close to £100 million even. That's the reality of the situation we're in. Newcastle have had a very difficult start of the season, very difficult fixture list, and they just need really the end of this international break to come so they can hopefully start to build some momentum between the next one, before the next one. Uh, score prediction? Uh, well, I've predicted 2-1 to Newcastle in each of the last two games. Uh, I don't think I can go with that as much as I'd like to be positive. 3-1 to Man City, I think it'll be repeated last year. Yeah, I remember when Newcastle got thumped 6-1 at the head. Yes, well, I was there for that. That was one of the first away games I did. Um, and it was going very well for 40, 40 minutes. Brilliant head by, uh... Brilliant head by Mitrovic. Wrongly, had a goal wrongly disallowed also. Um, but then a 20 minute spell of absolutely horrendous defending Jamal Sells came on that game at left back I believe in the second half um, one of his rare appearances under Steve McLaren that was not a good day not a good day at all um, we sat in the front row of the home one of the home, home ends and celebrated as Mutovic scored you can imagine the abuse I then got afterwards when City put six past you guys yes and that is what this side can do. That was before Pep Guardiola was even in charge. That was before they really became, well, they were Premier League champions at the time. So th- three years on, they've evolved even further and that's how dangerous they can be and Newcastle need to, to be at their very, very best just to, to hope that they can they can nick a point, really. As much as this may pain you, just briefly, because I know it's been a topic on social media, Mutovic has hit the ground running for Fulham. He has, he started very well. Um, took his goal well the other day. His two goals, sorry, well the other day. Uh, obviously scored in the first game. Has confidence. Has some very good players around him who are providing opportunities for him. And I think that when you have a team that he's the focal point of it, he will succeed. Some Newcastle fans say, well, why didn't Newcastle do that? The fact of the matter is, Rafa Benitez didn't trust him. He was never going to trust him. Um, and Mitrovic we wish him well obviously not against Newcastle going forward because uh, that wouldn't be good in terms of the points Newcastle need to collect against other teams outside of the top six but um, he's there's, there's nothing wrong with him as a personality uh, he obviously endeared himself to some a certain section of fans in a certain way and yeah, but the question mark will still arise until Newcastle strikers start scoring similar numbers although Hossler already has two this season Rondon opened his account the other day. Hopefully, that's a start of, of things to come as he gathers his match fitness on arriving an injury. 
So as long as Mitrovic is scoring, that question mark's always going to be asked. But Newcastle sold a striker for £22 million, possibly rising to £27 million in the summer. The same one for £9.5 million, who really is almost a second striker rather than a striker, and then brought one in on loan rather than spend any money. That's the issue they've got, but that's a squad Benitez has to work with. He believes in these players, and we just have to hope that by the end of the season, it turns out to be enough. Fingers crossed. And then just briefly, just to round off, Steve, how were you on Sky Sports? The debate last night, um, excellent by all accounts, told the home truths that many Castle fans have been waiting for Sky to kind of broadcast, talking about people who have gone on certain platforms who have no clue about Newcastle, having fans wanting God-given rights or haven't believed they've got a God-given right to be challenging for the Champions League, called that absolute nonsense, um, question where, where, where the money had gone from the you know the profit made in the transfer market from the money they got from finishing 10th um, it, it's good to get I suppose uh, the balance out there yeah it's my understanding that Sky for the last week or so have been trying to get northeast journalists and national northeast journalists on to try and speak because they want to be seen to be more balanced because obviously they've got the likes of Bellamy as well who tends to be quite critical about Newcastle I've had Dennis Wise on and I know this is an idea from Newcastle fans, a certain section of Newcastle fans, that Keith Bishop is orchestrating some big conspiracy against Newcastle. But basically, I think from Sky have been naive the last few weeks. They've gone for ease of convenience. Dennis Wise has been there. They've been able to get him on. Same with Craig Bellamy. And it hasn't been that they've actively gone out to criticise Newcastle and get people who are anti uh, Rafa Benitez and pro Mike Ashley. I think it's just been lazy on their part, naive that they haven't got the balance. They sought to address that last night. They got Howie on, who I have to be honest, I'm very impressed with. Um, saw his comments afterwards. Didn't actually see him on the program, but I've read his comments. Um, and find that's someone who is involved in the situation. He does local radio up here, just talkings regularly. Goes to to the games. Is switched on. Knows the inside information at the club. Knows how fans are feeling. And and that's that's all you can ask for, this guy. I'm personally of the opinion that you need to hear the other side as well. Yes, there's going to be things that Newcastle fans aren't going to want to hear, but as long as there's a balanced debate, as long as there's someone like Steve Howie or a journalist from up here or a pundit from up here, or somebody who's close to the club, say Mick, or stays in with what's going on at the club, say Mick Quinn or someone like that who we use, then I think that that is fine. And then you can have the alternative, Dennis Wise or whatever. That is the key. It's about balance. I don't think it should just be we go the other way now and we only have Steve Howie on, we don't have anyone else. Balance is fair, balance, that's what you need. And Sky were naive and, and didn't address that before. Hopefully, going forward, they've learned the lesson. And as I say, I know for a fact they have been trying to get other people on for the last week as well. Great response um, to Steve Howie's comments. You can read the full transcript on chroniclelive.co.uk. Um, that's it from us. Um, obviously, Rafa Benitez's press comments on Friday, Chris. And um, we'll bring you live coach of that before Chris and Lee head down to that he had on Saturday. Um, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, keep up to date with all the latest Newcastle 9 news over on our website, chroniclelive.co.uk.